All right, welcome back to another episode of the Cody Tucker Show. As always, I'm your host, Cody Tucker. Uh, be sure to like and subscribe, tell a friend, all that good stuff. Um, so, last night, I finally binge-watched this Murdoch Southern Crime Netflix uh, documentary series. Oh my god. So... Uh, for one, uh, give a damn round of applause to everyone that put this son of a bitch away. (laughs) Oh my God. This dude might be the biggest piece of shit of like the last hundred years. (laughs) Like, I mean, and I don't know what it is about certain people. But you can just kind of look at them and you know that they are just a fucking monster. This is a prime example of that. So this, I mean, okay, so preface all of this by saying if you have not watched it or don't know what it is that I'm talking about, I'm going to spoil all of it. So if you're one of the five people (laughs) watching this. And don't want to hear what happens. I mean, tune out. Who gives a shit? Uh, but I, I mean, I have to talk about this. This is so. This is one. This is the, my favorite type of like shit to watch. Is crazy true crime, but specifically with people who were just on another level of just nutty fucking. Yeah, this family. So here is the family. Boy, what a... I mean, I've I've heard from a few people who say that they think white people are really ugly. And it's hard to make the argument against that when there are families like this. (laughs) And look, you know, I'm no fucking George Clooney here, but... I mean, I like to think I at least look better than these sons of bitches. (laughs) I mean, maybe not. But so from left to right, we got Buster, the oldest son, Maggie, the mom, Paul, the fucking shithead son, and then old Alex slash Alec. Um, For one, I still don't know how you pronounce their last name because I've heard you hear Murdaugh and Murdoch. There's no fucking CK in their name at all. And then his name is Alex, but he goes by Alec. That's already should have been a red flag. Also, the hair color (laughs) is a red flag. These sons of bitches are not doing gingers any favors. (laughs) I mean, by being just the most evil pieces of shit. Like, so let me, so... To kind of just sum up what happens, um, in chronological order, not as it is in the show. In so this family comes from, I'll take it off. This family comes from the Low Country of South Carolina, which I will say is oddly similar to where I grew up. You know, here in Texas. I grew up around a lot of Murdaugh Murdochs. <laughs> so 
having a family like this is not that shocking to me. Um, there are a few families that I, you know, grew up around that if I found out they killed a lot of people, including each other, um, I wouldn't be that surprised. Um, I mean, South Carolina is a, that's a, it's a weird fucking world. I mean, I like, I think that, you know, sometimes I think like, damn, I, maybe I am kind of a redneck or like, you know, just white trash. Um, but then you hear people from South Carolina and you're like, Oh Jesus. Like, <laughs> like there's no more accent. There's not a more just racist sounding accent in the world than a South Carolina accent. I mean, it, boy, it just, uh, <laughs> it, it brings up some, you know, well, you know, yeah, it, it's not good. So, uh, in 2015, this, so let me bring back the family again. So in 2015, a friend of Buster, <laughs> the oldest son, uh, the one on the left that looks like he fucking, everyone in this family looks like they call farts toots. Like, tell me, like, look at, I mean, let me take this off. You cannot look at one of these members of this family. So, I mean, they all kind of have the look. They all have this look of, in every picture that this family takes, they all have the look of, oh no, this fart had a little weight to it. <laughs> like, they they all look like they just shit themselves. In every picture they take, they all have the kind of... And, um... I mean, Buster in particular looks like a fucking dweeb. He definitely looks like the type of dude that would call a fart a toot. (laughs) Um, I mean, you know, and when your dad looks like this, you know, what chance do you have, really? Like, Alex Alex Murdaugh looks like he sniffs seats whenever a woman gets out of a seat. (laughs) Um, They're just, it's a creepy fucking family. But, so, to go back to this, Old Buster was friends with this guy named Stephen Smith, who obviously was gay. And Buster is obviously gay. In 2015, Stephen Smith ends up dead in the middle of a road. Nobody knows how what happened. They say it's a hit and run, blah, blah, blah. So there's, you know, and then it's all suspicious. So there's one murder. Then in 20, this I think in 2018, 2019, their housekeeper trips and falls and dies, <laughs> which no, she didn't. Then in 29, uh, yeah, so in 20, God damn, I think it's 2019, uh, old Paul, so youngest son, the one next to uh, big Alec, uh, he, so this Paul dude is such a fucking, like, raging drunk, which, and then they're like, you know, and he would just have this temper. It's like, well, yeah, he's, you know, he's got fucking red hair. <laughs> I mean, you mix red hair and, you know, a tw- if you give any 18-year-old redhead about six Michelobes, I mean, they're going to turn into the goddamn devil. 
So, of course, he ends up killing this woman, uh, this girl, who every girl in this documentary looks like the, you know, pretty hot chicks that you went to school with who all end up becoming real estate agents because apparently that's the path of being like if you're a a hot chick in high school but have zero talents of any sort and are pretty fucking dumb but you like to hustle um you end up becoming a real estate agent <laughs> and every fucking girl in this documentary looks like the type that just would you would see a fucking, you know, business card, you know, with them in a blazer or like a little like Hillary Clinton fucking power suit uh, trying to sell you, you know, a, a country villa. So there's that. And so Paul ends up killing his best friend's girlfriend accidentally on a boat, drunk as shit. I, you know... I do feel sorry for a lot of the people in this because I think everybody kind of has a friend who's just a real shithead, especially if they're drunk as someone who has driven drunk. If I had to guess, well, I don't want to put a number on it. Let's just say I've done it. (laughs) Um, I it would be sort of hypocritical for me to shit on old Paul too much, except for the fact that I've never done it in a goddamn boat at one in the morning and just fucking gun that shit into a bridge. Now, <laughs> maybe it is hypocritical of me to shit on this dude, but fuck him. This guy is such... Let me pull the old family up again. Paul, right there, the little... Just weasel, son of a bitch. Oh, my God. But, you know, just don't let the fucking dude drive. And they're all like, you know, you can't tell Paul no. Yeah, you can. He's a fucking kid. You could tell him no. You could be like, hey, bitch, I'll drive the damn boat. Or don't get in the boat. Easy enough. When someone's hammered drunk, don't get in there with them. Like, I've never understood this shit of, like, well, you know, I mean, I guess we'll just get in. It's not that big of a deal. It, stupid. So fucking dumb. Have I done it before? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Take everything with a, you know, a little grain of, grain of jizz. So, uh, so fuck Paul. He's a douche. Then, of course, because this family is massively powerful in the, you know, South Carolina low country, uh, nothing happens. I mean, this motherfucker is going to get off scot-free, except that old Papa Alec, this, God, I mean, just, anytime you, I mean, it just, do you ever look at someone and it just makes you uncomfortable that they exist because of how fucking ugly they are. I'm not oblivious to the fact that I might be that example to some people. <laughs> but, they're, you know, everybody's got theirs. Um, that that guy is one of those to me that every time I saw his face in this documentary, I thought, you know, God, I wish he was 
I wish he didn't exist. Like, it makes me sick to, like, look at it. <laughs> I, man, that that is not coming out good at all, but whatever. It's the truth. Um, so, dude's a piece of shit, but he's, like, a powerful lawyer or whatever. His life starts falling to shit, so he ends up deciding to kill his wife and his youngest son. So, you got Alex. So, basically, all that's left is... <laughs> It's this little piece of shit. (laughs) Which, you know, I'll say this. Out of the whole documentary, this is the motherfucker that everybody should have been paying attention to. Like, Paul is obviously a piece of shit. Alex is obviously, you know, the father of the shitheads. Maggie most likely killed this housekeeper. They did not, in the documentary, really, like, say... They they kind of left it up in the air on who killed the, the housekeeper... It, it was a hundred percent the fucking Maggie. Um, but this little dickhead, he a hundred percent killed that Stephen Smith kid. And I mean, is in on all of this. And you just think like, like, God, these are so fucking God. These people just suck so much. I mean, it is amazing to me that like, I don't know, man. I, like I said, I've grown up with a lot of people that are very similar to these people. I don't know whether they've ever, you know, m- murdered people and or their own family. Some of them I kind of wish they did. I'll say this about old Alex. So Alex, to bring it all of this, you know, uh, full circle. Alex just yesterday from whenever I'm recording this got sentenced uh I mean, he was found guilty of murdering his wife and his son, got sentenced life in prison, you know, for both, both, I think. I, I mean, I guess it's concurrent, which concurrent is such a stupid fucking thing that like, hey, we'll just let you, you know, like this crime is worth this punishment and this crime is worth this punishment, but we're just going to run them together. It's like, well, no, you commit one crime, you get this amount of time, you com- like they should stack. Um, I'm sure there's some like legal expert who could argue would argue the point against that and say well actually according to you know habeas corpus um i don't know you know writs of assistance i i think i think this shit should stack up for sure i mean it stacks up in any other situation like but I don't know. I mean, this family, God, they suck. I mean, they just suck. But I'll say Alex should get let let off a little easier or get some sort of reward, maybe an extra, you know, fucking pack of cigarettes a week for killing uh, Paul. <laughs> I mean, it's really kind of the best thing that this son of a bitch ever did in his life was kill his own son, uh, which is a crazy thing to say out loud. I am now realizing, but it is the truth. Like, boy, oh boy. I mean, to how do you raise? See, this is what happens whenever parents don't have, when they have zero, like there's zero repercussions for their children. I was so afraid of everything as a kid. So I didn't, as a I mean, even as a teenager, like, I don't have that many crazy teenage stories. Um, 
I mean, I started drinking heavily at about 19 or 20. Actually, about 20. Like, I would drink a lot throughout high school and shit. But, uh, like, drinking heavily like these motherfuckers are doing. Like, these dudes are going to bars in high school. Like, parents just buying them alcohol. They're getting fucked up at, like, every little event. That was not going on with me. Like, I, once I hit about 20, I'd, and ni- 19 is really, I, th- I think, like, whenever I started, like, just packing it in. Like, the like, similar to the way these motherfuckers are doing it. Uh, but I was just up until that point, like all throughout, you know, middle school, junior high, high school, I was so fucking afraid of everything that I wouldn't do shit. Like, so I, I cannot relate to these kids in that sense. Like that they're fucking, I don't know, but I know a lot of them. I knew a lot of people growing up who like, you know, I, we would rather you just drink here if you're going to drink. <laughs> It's like, oh, fucking mom of the year. Um, But, yeah. But this is what happens. This is what happens when you just leave dumbass kids, especially ones with red hair and freckles, uh, when you leave them completely unadultered. So let that be a warning. Uh, So that is going to end this part. Um, I do have some did you knows. I'm going to make this a recurring segment because this shit's pretty fucking fun to do. Um, yeah, I like telling people shit that seems, you know, a little weird. Shit that, like, I kind of wish you we would learn about in school, like, would have learned about in school, but never did because you have to learn about the fucking, well, you have to remember the preamble. <laughs> Which, when is that going to fucking matter to you? Now, granted, when is knowing about, you know, any of the shit I'm talking about going to matter either? But whatever, it seems more interesting to me. So, that being said, uh, here's a another segment of Did You Know? All right. So, the first story that I have today is, um, boy, it's, a, it's an interesting... This is one that I found out about maybe like a couple months ago. I had never heard of this before. Pretty surprising that it isn't like more well known. Um it's about the sinking of the SS Eastland. Uh the SS Eastland was a ship located in the Chicago River in Chicago that uh in I believe the early nineteen hundreds this company, Western Electric, chartered the ship to take their employees out to this island that is located within the Chicago River. Um, or the Ohio River, I think. Chicago or Ohio River. Again, back up. Let me preface the same way I have the last two times. I am not researching these 100%. (laughs) I'm just kind of like... It's the same way you like you tell so, they're bar facts. I'm just giving like elongated bar facts. Um, are they a hundred percent true? Eh, maybe. Are they slightly exaggerated? Possibly. But they're all coming from a decent amount of truth uh, and a little bit of research, a little bit of reading. So, you know, take. Th- that warning you know how you will 
if you're going to care about any of this or relay the information. Um, so SS Eastland, charter ship, taking the employees and families of employees of Western Electric to an island on the river for like a company picnic. Seems like a great idea. Um, every company I worked for just gave us fucking pizza parties. <laughs> so, you know, taking you on a boat trip to an island for a picnic seems like a nice day to give your employees a fucking fun day with their family. Uh, that isn't what happens. <laughs> so, the SS Eastland is docked you know, on at the pier. When everybody gets on the boat, there's obviously some family, and, or I mean a huge group of people that are not going, who are staying there, and they're kind of waving them off like, oh, goodbye, goodbye, because people used to do that. They would just say goodbye to ships because <laughs> there was nothing to fucking do in the early 1900s. They get on the boat. Everybody on the boat decides to run to the side so that they can wave goodbye. And this boat, which had already had some pretty big safety issues in general, a lot of like, you know, weeble wobble. As soon as these eight, uh, these people ran across to the other side, the boat just tipped and capsized. 844 people died. <laughs> Holy shit. It's more than the Titanic. Uh, to put that into perspective, 844 employees slash family members of employees died when this boat capsizes up against the pier. Everybody gets, you know, sucked in. Uh, yeah, wild. To bring it into like a little bit of a modern sense or, you know, modern understanding the bodies, you know, people are just going down there just scooping up bodies. 844 of them. Scooping them up for fucking weeks. And there's a lot of people who weren't there who knew that their relative or relatives were on this boat. So they don't know 100% sure like whether they died or whether people were going to find their bodies. And so many fucking people, they don't even know what to do with them. So they start shipping, like basically driving the bodies up you know, down the street and putting them in this warehouse so that family members can come and, you know, basically identify bodies go, Oh, there's, you know, fucking Reginald. Um, he looks a little bit more swollen since the last time I saw him, but that's him. <laughs> oh, oh, damn. Um, and they just go and start identifying these bodies. And so all that happens. That's the end of the story until about 70 years later, I believe, this warehouse gets converted into a studio. That studio was Harpo Production Studio. Harpo Production Studio is the studio owned by Oprah Winfrey. So Oprah Winfrey, Harpo being Oprah backwards, bought this warehouse and turned it into her TV studio in Chicago. Uh, and a ton of people who have worked for Oprah at her show have claimed that they've seen ghosts fucking everywhere throughout that studio. And this is like, I think throughout all the years 
that that piece of shit has been on TV, um, people have been saying like, oh, there are ghosts. This place is haunted. Like I see ghosts from the early 1900s walking around looking for their fucking husband, blah, blah, blah. Granted, a lot of these, it could just be fucking Stedman walking around. <laughs> For all I know, Stedman is just roaming the fucking halls of Harpo Studios, dressed like he's in the early 1900s, and, you know, that's what people are seeing. Which, I will say, is terrifying enough. <laughs> like, you know, Mommy, there's a Stedman under my bed. <laughs> Don't worry, Timmy, Stedman can't hurt you. Um, so, yeah. So there's the SS Eastland. Fact check me if you'd like. I don't give a shit. Next one. Oh, man. This one is... This one's fucking sad. (laughs) So I'm going to, you know, preface this one by saying... This is not going to be a fun one to hear about. But it is... Very interesting and very kind of makes you put um, certain things into perspective in a way that you probably wouldn't have before if you don't already know about it. So this is the story of a man named Ota Banga. Uh, Ota Banga was a Congolese person from this tribe within the Congo who excuse me who um so burp threw me off Odebenga is Congolese living in the Congo King Leopold of Belgium who you you could do a whole fucking 10 part did you know about that son of a bitch King Leopold <laughs> might be one of the most vicious sons of bitches of all time King Leopold of Belgium used to, so basically he, during um, what's called the you know, Great Scramble for Africa, where all these European countries just, in the late 1800s, early to early 1900s, just out of nowhere fucking invaded Africa and just started claiming land throughout Africa. Africa didn't have these like divisions, like countries basically. Um, everything was more like based on clan slash tribe slash kingdom, you know, whatever it may be. Um, like you may have like Sulu in South Africa, like in the Congolese is really a shitload of different tribes that were made up. And then there's like the, the kingdoms like, you know, Kush, Egypt, all these things. Um, but Europe comes in and just fucking wrecks it. And now you have like, you know. Chad <laughs> and and you know countries that did not exist and two Africans even when the countries were being made still didn't exist because like where do, I don't live in fucking Chad <laughs> like I'm you know I'm a you know Maasai um, so King Leopold you know he is the king of Belgium Belgium takes over the Congo. They are basically just mining rubber. Um, we're not mining rubber. I mean, getting rubber from rubber trees. I mean, this. so this kind of has nothing to do with Odebenga, but it's just fucking nuts. And it just shows how, oh man, how evil 
Europeans are. And people think America is like evil, which granted, we've done some bad shit. Belgium gets a fucking pass. Nobody shits on Belgium, ever. It's always America, Germany, Russia. Some people will shit on Italy. But, like, Spain doesn't get shit, even though they did horrible stuff. Portugal is one of the, I mean, Portugal makes, like, well, I almost say makes Nazis look good. Um, <laughs> um, Portugal makes us look like, you know, fucking Boy Scouts, as does Belgium. One of the things that happens is that these Belgian, like, actual, you know, Belgians who go to the Congo to kind of, like, helped, um, help run these, like, rubber, you know, production they aren't getting hardly any food sent with them so they're like fuck this we're just gonna start hunting food um but they're on like a a bullet ration so they can't really like they can't use their bullets for hunting food and you know, just because, I mean, this story is going to take forever. To go in a long way, uh, you know, to shorten things down a little bit, they start basically saying that, like, they're shooting, that they're actually going to be using their bullets to kill the native, like, Congolese people who are either trying to have, like, a revolt or aren't working hard enough, blah, blah, blah. But really, they're just shooting animals that they can eat. So the King Leopold says... Well, if that's true, then you need to, for every bullet fired, there needs to be a human arm to account for that bullet. So we know that you did, in fact, use this bullet to kill a person who was trying to attack you, do a revolt, one of those things. So what they would do is they didn't want to kill the people because people weren't really revolting and they weren't being attacked. They were just basically had enslaved the Congolese people within their own place so the Belgians just started lining up Congolese people and cutting off their arm, cutting off one arm so they could still work with the other one and sending those back to Leopold. So Leopold's got, you know, I mean, I don't want to make up the number, but I'm going to. <laughs> I think it's like 80,000 or 100,000. I mean, it's no, no, it is. It's like way over six. Like it's in the six figures of how many human arms got fucking accounted for. So Belgium monsters. One of the things that happens is there's this guy. Uh, let me find his name. Samuel Phillips Werner. Samuel Phillips Werner, I believe is actually American, but he is a Christian missionary who goes to the Congo and this is all during the same time. So he starts to kind of like to try to interact with like the Congolese and teach them the good word. He runs into this one tribe who has been decimated by the Belgians, except for one person, a little boy, I believe like in his teens, like actually, so not a boy. I mean, a teenager named Ota Banga. And uh, old Werner decides to just capture him and bring him back to the goddamn U.S. Um, which at this time, I should say, it is illegal to do that. <laughs> as crazy as it sounds, um, slavery, as far as like transporting people from Africa to the U.S., 
was already had been illegal for a long time. So he's already doing some shit he ain't supposed to be doing, but he does it. Brings Otabanga to the U.S. and immediately starts basically using him for money, and he puts him into not freak shows, but like actual expos. So one being the Louisiana Purchase Expo that was in St. Louis, and then the 1904 World's Fair. He puts him in as a human exhibit. So this is where shit gets fucking wild. And a thing that I think most people don't know existed in the u.s and existed until not too fucking long ago is that there were human exhibits not like oh i'm a person of this and you know a descendant of this particular group so i'm going to go and kind of like teach people about my heritage which is a thing that still happens um like a lot of native americans do that where they'll you know teach kind of give like a presentation of like what life was like for a an apache but they aren't being forced to go in it and they aren't an exhibit like them as a human aren't an exhibit they're giving an an exhibit like they're presenting an exhibit of like their culture but they are choosing to do this and it's for educational blah blah blah. it's not exploitative this is all exploitative (laughs) i mean god damn so odabanga gets put in as an as an exhibit, as an attraction. And he's in there with Geronimo, who was also basically forced into becoming a an exhibit at the World's Fair. Then, this is where it gets even worse. There was a thing in the U.S. in like early 1900s. So in 1906, Benga gets put into the Bronx Zoo as a a human animal exhibit as a human animal attraction. And it was called a, and basically a lot of zoos in the U S had human zoos within the zoo where people from different cultures would get basically sold into a form of slavery and just be put in a cage and people would walk around and go, Oh look, there's a person from a land that I don't know shit about. Odabanga is one of those. Odabanga was put into an exhibit. And this one, I... Um, well, I mean, you kind of just have to... So, <laughs> it feels very weird to say. But Odabanga was put into what was called the human monkey exhibit because he was there with an orangutan. And the point of them being together was that it was supposed to be a criticism of Darwinism, which was now becoming like, you know, somewhat accepted. It was a very new idea, but it was gaining traction. There was a lot of Christians like Werner who um, did not want that to happen. So he put Odabanga in exhibit with an orangutan and gave Odabanga a bow and arrow, basically so that if the orangutan got a little too fucking frisky, Odabanga could just take out this orangutan. And instead, Obanga just started shooting it at people who were laughing at him. Like, just started just firing off fucking bows and arrows at people going to the zoo. This is the fucking Bronx Zoo. I mean, yeah, the Bronx Zoo, which millions of people go to every single year. 
And at one point, if you were there a hundred years ago, a little over a hundred years ago, you would have saw a human being in one of the animal cages with an orangutan and nobody thought shit about it. Not nobody, because there were a lot of like African-American uh, organizations who were real fucking, had a, they had a real problem with it. Uh, so Odabango ends up in this zoo. All he wants to do is just go back to fucking Africa. He wants to go back to where he's from. He doesn't want to be here. Uh, probably didn't give a shit about baseball. Didn't give a shit about fucking hot dogs. He wants to go back to where he's from. And he finally is going to get to. And then World War I happens. So that cuts off all modes of travel. And for Otabanga, um, this is like, okay, so I'll never get to fucking go back. So Otabanga decides to build this like ceremonial fire. So he's 32 or 33, I believe at this time builds this ceremonial fire, takes a gun, puts it up to his chest and just ends it. And that's it. That's the story of Otabanga. Fuck. <laughs> I mean, boy, oh boy. I told you that's a, that's a rough one, but it is something people should know. Cause if you go to the Bronx zoo, when you walk around there, just remember, not too long ago, there was some fuck shit happening there. All right, so last one is definitely not as depressing, but real fucking creepy. And we're going back a little over 2,000 years. So this is the story of the one of, I would argue, one of the biggest perverts in world history. <laughs> and his name is Tiberius Caesar. Tiberius Caesar was obviously Roman emperor. I believe the third emperor of Rome. And by all accounts, just a shit emperor. Um, like apparently great as far as military and being like a general goes, but as far as being a politician and like a leader of government, just a fucking monster. <laughs> people hated him. And because people hated him, they were always trying to kill him or conspire to overthrow him. So he just went on a fucking poisoning rampage and just started knocking motherfuckers out left and right, including the father of, uh, or is it the father or the, yes, including the father of Caligula, who ends up becoming emperor and arguably an even fucking crazier emperor. Um, so Tiber Tiberius is like, man, fuck Rome. These sons of bitches are trying to kill me. All I wanted to do was just hang out and fucking eat grapes um, or whatever the hell Romans did. So he's like, I, I got a fucking vacation home on the Isle of Capri. I'm just going to go hang out at that motherfucker. It's basically like his Camp David. So this son of a bitch pulls a George W. Bush and goes, hangs out there the basically entire time he's emperor. <laughs> like from when shit starts to hit the fan, he's like, ah, fuck all of y'all. I'm out of here. Goes to his vacation home. This is where <laughs> the why I mean, this fucking vacation home. Jesus. I mean, it makes, you know, Jeffrey Epstein's island look like a fucking, you know, nunnery. Um, 
Is that where nuns live? A nunnery? Or an abbot? Isn't it called an abbot? Monastery. So, back up. This vacation home makes Jeffrey Epstein's island look like a monastery. There we go. That felt right. In Tiberius Caesar's home, the entire walls are painted with just straight sex. (laughs) Just people fucking covering the entire walls of the entire house. Which already fucking awesome (laughs) like that's what you see when you walk into the foyer is somebody just getting fucking pounded um a little weird but not too bad but it gets a little worse so tiberius has this giant fucking hot tub basically like a primitive version like ancient roman version of a hot tub his house is also filled with very young boys who he called his words not mine his little tight asses <laughs> Woo. Um, so you could kind of imagine what they were used for and why these little boys were at this island um, he used to play a game with these underage boys where he would be in his hot tub naked and they would swim around by him and according to him nibble on his nutsack like little minnows (laughs) god damn um that's what so he called them like his little fishes and they would play like the little fish game uh (laughs) You know, somewhere in Manhattan, Anderson Cooper is using that fucking Vanderbilt money to do the same thing right now. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, so there's that. Where it gets a little more dark is that he also just brutally, you know, butt fucked these two young boys who didn't seem to enjoy it enough. So he had their legs broken in front of everybody who was at the island so that it would be kind of a warning that, like, you better fucking pretend to enjoy this. <laughs> um, yeah, and Tiberius Caesar stays emperor for a while and then gets, you know, overthrown and kind of just lost in history, um, mostly because the replacement for Tiberius Caesar is um, Caligula, uh, who... I mean, I don't know if he was his ne- very next in line, but I believe was either next or the one after that. Caligula is very soon after Tiberius Caesar and is even more batshit crazy. So, like, the stories of Caligula get ramped up. I mean, the dude made his horse a senator, which people think was either because he was a psychopath or he was just making a mockery of the Senate. The latter is probably more uh, more correct, but yeah. So, um, I understand that these three stories were probably not fun, <laughs> but it's interesting. I like weird, dark history shit. So, you know, I'll try to make some some that are a little bit more light. 
<laughs> um, but you know, for now, that's that's what you get. So, until next time, goodbye.